Hey everyone, this is Patrick, and welcome to the Well Standard Podcast. We're on episode 17, and for those of you who have been listening, it is our final episode of the uh, first season of 2018, which is called Life. Now, in case you're new to the show and this is your first time listening, uh, what we decided to do in 2017 is to break 2018 into three separate seasons. The first four months is life, which is your greatest asset. The second season is liberty, which is the pursuit of freedom, not retirement. And uh, the third, uh, I would say the last four months of the year, is on property. Now, life, liberty, and property, this came from uh, John Locke, who was an English philosopher in uh, the 18th century. And Locke uh, was one of those proponents, uh, one of the initial uh, proponents uh, to the protection of life, liberty, and property being essential uh, to a process prosperous society. And uh, so won't get into that. Definitely go back and listen to the first couple of episodes to get some more context. But I know you guys are going to love this uh, this uh, this episode that's coming up. But don't forget to uh, go onto iTunes and give us a good rating that helps to get the word out, spread the message. And so if you like what you've heard, we would totally be honored to have you uh, put a review on iTunes for us. Now, for our final episode, Uh, I'm interviewing uh, an author. His name is Bradley Charbonneau. He lives in the Netherlands, and he wrote a book called Every Single Day, which I highly recommend. And he's also written a a few other books, uh, including some children's books, which we actually talk about on the the show. Now, it's it's unusual for someone at, at Bradley's caliber to uh, to start out uh, writing you know, certain books and then totally pivot to the type of writing he is doing now, which doesn't just include books, but also includes a lot of periodicals and editorial. Now, it just talks about, you know, really in this episode uh, of why he decided to shift in the lifestyle he is living uh, right now, why he decided to move from the United States to the Netherlands with his family. So you guys are going to love it. We talk about some really cool things and there's some awesome background music as well, which you'll hear in just a second. All right. So season two, Liberty starts next week, and we have a name that you would probably recognize, but I'm going to tease you a little bit. Uh, he has uh, been around the block uh, several for several decades uh, in the investment arena. He's shared the stage with uh, guys like Tony Robbins and Robert Kiyosaki and and count, countless others, and so it's such an awesome episode, so I can't wait for you to hear that next week, uh, but I will uh, we'll announce that, announce that uh, name in, uh, in just a few days. Anyway, without further delay, I am going to uh, start my interview with uh, my guest today, Bradley Charbonneau. Welcome to the special 2018 seasons of the Wealth Standard Podcast, celebrating life, liberty, and property. You are currently listening to Life Season 1. Uh, Bradley, first, why don't you give us, uh, give us an idea of kind of where you're at uh, in the world and, and why and what you're up to? Well, <laughs> where I'm at in the world, we'll see if my... If my not fake bird chirping background music is coming in, oh wait a minute, that's actually real, <laughs> because I'm uh, I'm walking in the woods in the middle middle of the Netherlands where I now live, and uh, coming to you from the evening of uh, of Holland in Western Europe. And it's a beautiful. Yeah, I was uh, telling you before we started recording. I went there with my my wife last year, and it's a you know, we were there early spring, but it was it was. Unbelievable, incredible. So, so what brought you to what brought you to uh, to the Netherlands? My wife is Dutch, which sounds like uh, the easy the easy answer, but the kind of longer answer is that I had been sort of yearning to come back for quite a while. We'd been in the states for fifteen years, and we, as we also just talked about a little bit before we got on the got on the recording. Uh, my life wasn't going as I wanted it to be going, and I needed a change, and I didn't know how to make it happen. I think that's um, a lot of what we can talk about is how to make change happen. I mean, you've re- you, you, your recent book is titled Every, Every Single Day, Daily Habits to Create Unstoppable Success, Achieve Goals Faster, and Unleash Your Extraordinary uh, Potential. And you know, one of the things we were, we were talking about is is how much people just, you know, deal with life or put up, put up with life. And every day is, is in a sense a replay. It's kind of a groundhog day in, in a sense. Yeah. And yeah. you look at the difference that can be, can be made. It's not this, you know, extensive lead up to a big, a big decision. 
Okay, those, those changes occur uh, in the moment, in a, in a second, less than a second. And it's just those, those, those decisions uh, that, you know, bit by bit lead to a complete, complete overall and complete change. So maybe talk about, you know, your, your story a little bit and with, with uh, respect to the, the elements of your book. So you just mentioned the key word. It's sort of the key big secret. You said the word decision. I think that's one of the first steps to get anywhere, to make any sort of progress towards success, because you have to make a decision to decide you're going to do this thing and whatever, you know, lose weight or make money, change jobs, change countries, whatever it is. You have to make a decision because at that point you gain some clarity. Mm-hmm. If you don't have clarity, you're, you're, you're shotgunning it and who knows where you're going to end up. But decision making is, is vitally important. To, to even get started. Well, dis, it's interesting. I don't know if you know the root of the word decide, but we use that word. It's part of the you know American vernacular, and we you know, use it really. We use lots of words without really understanding the core meaning. But decide, yeah. you know, it's 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 a break. It's a de you know decoupling right of of whatever your mindset or whatever you were doing previous to to something new, and it's a it's a separation. And I would say those, dis, you know, we, we all probably have those distinct decisions that we've made throughout our, our lives, depending on, you know, the severity of the, uh, the situation. But typically, they were severe, where we made those, you know, monumental, critical, profound, profound decisions. And oftentimes, you know, it's, it's in the middle of, you know, it, it's in the middle of, of pain, it's in the middle of tension, anxiety, lots of, lots of pressure where that decision is, uh, is made. So maybe speak, speak to that as it, as it pertains to, you know, your experiences. So the, the big decision, like the one that movies are based on, that's kind of easy. Some big, usually external event happens and that changes things for you and great. But I think the harder decision-making process is when it has to come from internal factors like making a decision without big external factors and you just want to decide hey i want to change things that's hard that's like you know going cold turkey on on not drinking anymore or just deciding i'm going to put on my shoes and start jogging every day and get fit so if there's no external factor then you have to make the internal factor work you have to make it happen and that's that's very hard and also very admirable but in my particular case I tried and tried and slogged away for years. I had my own company, lived in San Francisco. On, on the outside, things looked great, had great life from the outside. However, I, I was so unhappy. <laughs> you know, making good money, but spending lots of good money. And everything looked good, but I just, I wasn't fulfilled. And I tried, here I am saying, you know, the, the decision has to come from inside. Well, it doesn't have to, but ideally it, it should and I, I couldn't do it I couldn't make it happen I couldn't make the change actually occur in my life and I just slogged away for more years than I care to admit doing living the life I didn't want to live so for me one external factor that came along was my dad passed away going on three years now and it was it it was just a moment of clarity for me because then if you think about your own self on your deathbed and you look back, then decisions become a lot more clear. And you don't decide in the moment and you're all caught up in your day-to-day, but you look back from your deathbed or, or whatever, when you're 82 or you're, you're older, and then make the decision based on that. And that's what I tried to do, and that's how in the matter of two years or so, I closed my company, completely closed down the entire thing. I have nothing to do with it anymore moved my family to Europe, where my wife is from, and became a full-time writer, which is the dream I've had for 20 years. And I made all that happen, but I did need that external factor to really get me over the edge to make that big change. But I, I did it. I did it. So, Bradley, so we were having a discussion around something I, be- I believe in, and really it, it ties into our theme uh, of, the, of the podcast this season, which is, 
which is life that you you are you are an asset investment there uh, and focus there uh, should take precedence anything else because it's how you experience everything everything else but but really looking at growth and change do you agree that you know nature kind of compels us to move forward it compels us uh, to grow and and oftentimes we find ourselves in this you know, this, this weird kind of like middle gray area where things are okay. Things are decent. And, and you had mentioned that it's one of, one of the harder places to actually make significant decisions or make certain decisions that will uh, perpet, you know, uh, increase the momentum of your, of your growth. So, you know, if you look at the, those that are in this kind of gray area, this, this vortex of, of sorts, it's one of those things where it's not this, it's not a place that you will be at long because how, how I've experienced it is that something will come along, whether it's external or internal, that will motivate you a little bit to grow. Maybe, and if you, you know, ignore it, it'll, you know, maybe be a little bit more, it's stronger the next time and then the next time and then the next time until the point where it's like, because looking at your decision, did you receive like little signals that led up to the time where you were like, wow, I'm not fulfilled. This is not enjoyable and it's not worth it compared to what I could have. Did you have those signals leading up to it? Yeah. All right. But, but they're, they're hard to believe. They're hard to, to take action on because you just, I, I don't know. I don't know if it's just trying to, continue with your status quo, trying not to rock the boat, even if it's your own boat. Yeah. But th there were horrendous signals. I remember I would get in towards the end of my, my company, I would get a new client. I would hang up the phone, just got a brand new client. And I would just have this big sigh. Like, Oh, I got a new client. <laughs> and you know, if your job is supposed to get new clients and you hang up the phone and you are sighing and moaning because that's exactly what you just did. It's a signal. There's something wrong. <laughs> And, and so there were, there were some subtle and less subtle signals that I just, I was not heading down the right path. And I think, I, I, I don't know this for a fact, but I believe that everyone has some sort of secret passion that they're either hiding or pushing down or not allowing to thrive. And if they did, I think there could be just more simple happiness in their lives because they're allowing themselves to do it. You know, for me, that was writing. I have, I have an MBA, I speak four languages, I've had lots of corporate experience, had the big jobs, lived in the big cities, done all that. What do I really want to do? Write books. What do I really, really want to do? Write books together with my kids about mm. totally dorky kid stuff, you know, farting and aliens. That is <laughs> like what, that, that's what makes me happy. And so Hopefully I, not combined. <laughs> no. <laughs> Well, if you let them uh, tell the story, they, they just, get combined. They would definitely be combined. <laughs> <laughs> so I would, I would say, you know, my, in my experience, and I'd love, since you're, you've written a book about it, you've told, you told your story, you are most likely, ha you have a lens to the world seeing into other people's experiences. I think it's the, the catalyst or the variable that, that, that has us ignoring these, these signals or signs is is fear and it's and it's fear of the unknown it's fear of failure uh it's fear of disappointment um it may be you know fear of of fulfilling a role especially a role if you have a, a spouse and children fear of you know not being able to support your your family so i think there are some probably primary anxieties or fears with just dealing with something because the pain of dealing is less than the fear of actually making the change. Yeah. And once you cross that, you know, cross that, you know, that point of, of no return, well, yeah, the point at which the fear of changing is less than the fear of staying the same or the pain of staying the yeah. same. I think yeah. that's kind of where people start to really look to, wow, what am I going to do? What, what does um, fulfill me? And then, and then make the move. Like what have, what have you seen as, you know, some of those reasons to, uh, to not make those subtle changes that would make a big difference. So this is where we get into, and this is why the title of my book is Every Single Day. 
because I, I get a lot of people who are waiting for the right moment, uh, anticipating the you know, perfect alignment of whatever they're waiting for to align. And I just sort of say, okay, 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 stop, stop, stop. Enough with that. There's yesterday, that's finished with. There's tomorrow, which doesn't actually exist because it never happens. It's a thing of the future. And then there's today. So when did you want to start this life you're talking about? Mm-hmm. Oh, was that, was that tomorrow? Oh, right. Well, you get that first part, tomorrow does not exist. There is no tomorrow because then tomorrow, if you say tomorrow, well, that's from today's perspective, that's two days from now. You, know, you get the idea. It doesn't, it doesn't happen. Yep. And so <coughs> it's, it's small actions on a daily basis to back to, back to a little finance and, and banking for the compound in interest to grow exponentially once you start, but you have to start. And so my big push is just, just please start, please start for, for your sake, for my sake, for everyone's sake, for the sake of the people around you who are tired of hearing about you not starting, please start, just start your little thing and start in the tiniest way you can imagine and enjoy those, those initial small successes. And then think, thinking back to, so I'm a math guy and uh, so I'm always, I'm always sneaking math and equations into my books. And so I, I like, like, you know, we talk, I talk about linear lines and, you know, in, in, and exponential and exponential growth compared with linear growth. And so that's, that's what's That's what I think is exciting about what I consider sort of the every, every single day mathematical equation, because it is not a linear line. A lot of people will come to me and they'll say, Oh, so is this just like, you know, do it every day and, you know, slog through it and it'll like eventually get better. Say, well, yeah, that's like the negative view on it. I mean, you'll still get better, but it's really about the, sure, you might be slogging through it in the beginning, but at some point it's going to start growing exponentially. But it, but you, it, well, again, back to financial terms, what is the, you know, zero to the third power? Well, we're still zero. What is zero to the 29th power? Still zero. You've got to start. You've got to get, you got to get one. You got to get at least a number one. Number one is so much bigger than zero. Zero, you can't do anything with. So you've got to start. You've got to make the start. And I love I, my my background is uh, economics, and and in you know in statistics, in you know in math and economics, you have obviously compound curve, but you have a you have another curve with which I love to talk about, which is the S curve and. And the S curve, I think, is more relevant to, to life in a sense, if you think about it, because your compound growth, okay, no tree grows to the sky, right? And it's one of those things where, you know, if you look at compounding of numbers, right, there has to be a point at which that you reach critical mass. And that's where there's, there's correction. And it basically is where there is slight decline. But then the S factor is basically, it's whatever's learned, whatever's corrected, and then the growth takes place again. I think it's really, really fascinating, especially as it applies to, uh, as it applies to life, but this goes to that same principle, which is, you know, you do, you have, you know, periods of your life where you've been tremendously successful, even if it's, you know, when you were little and, you know, you learned to ride a bike or you were good at little league. I mean, but then you reach this point in which growth takes place again and you learn and then it takes place again and then you learn. I mean, I think that's just the never-ending, never-ending cycle, cycle of life. But I love your point about, you know, really living, living right now, which is all that really exists. And and I've studied a lot about a lot about that. And it's it's one of those things where, you know, I try I try to really take advantage of every every single every single day, uh, and every every moment. And I think that that comes down to just uh, perspective. So what are what are some of the things that you teach in your book? on that, on that point, which is, you know, that, you know, right, right now is all you have. How do you optimize or how do you, you know, take most advantage of, uh, uh, of, of the present moment of the present opportunity? I think in the beginning, it has to be just brute force. If you, if you can't, if for some reason you're against it or or you're fighting it, whether consciously or subconsciously, you're going to have to get, get down and dirty and you're going to have to just force whatever you're not doing because you, you think you can't and you're probably, you know, waiting for the perfect moment and all that. 
which is never going to come, by the way. <laughs> Sorry to break the news. <laughs> and just push it. You've got you've to push it in the beginning. Um, because, so you, you mentioned a really, something really interesting and, and really important. You said the fear, how fear stops most people, but also the fear of the unknown. And I'm to the point now where I don't, not only do I not fear the unknown, I embrace it. Uh-huh. And I don't say this lightly, and, and I don't, and I know what the words mean, and I know how important they are. And I also, I say that I don't say this lightly because the me of a few years ago would have never believed what I just said because I was so scared of the unknown that I, I didn't want to take any step forward because taking a step forward was out of my known. And that was into, that was one step towards the unknown. And that's, you know, no way. I mean, what's out there? Whereas now I, it's almost, you know, black and white. It's, it's, I'm, I'm a completely different person where now I will happily take a step forward because I want, I want even more unknown. Unknown is the fun stuff. So in the day to day, and now I'm talking quite advanced levels of this because for people who are struggling uh, and are just dealing with the brute, brute force, you know, just slog through in the beginning, they're, they look at me like I'm, you know, crazy if I'm talking about embracing the unknown and they're at the point where like, are you kidding? I, you know, I don't even want to take one step forward. And you're talking about embracing, you know, the horror movie of my future. I might be thinking of. So in the beginning, but, but I like to throw those teasers out there because I also want people to not just think again, kind of back to the math. It's not just a linear path forward. There is greatness ahead. There is a fantastic, unbelievable, impossibilities that become possible ahead but you've got to start and so if you need to slog through the beginning go ahead and slog through you know take 30 days 30 days is sort of a typical habit producing amount of time take 30 days do your thing every single day and then you know give me a call with a (laughs) with a status report (laughs) <laughs> um, but but that's the, the main thing I hear is that the fear of the uh, because you had mentioned the fear of the unknown and that's a that's a huge one, huge one. There are so many people who are so scared of the unknown. They they're so into their daily lives. I get it. I've been there. Been there. Done that. I get it. It's so hard to get out of. But if you want to get out, then you got to take a step towards the unknown. I think that you know it's interesting. We have all we have these like instinctive parts of, I mean, just part of human being that, you know, pull us in all sorts of directions, right? And I think, I think that the fear side of things, I think one, the one instinct we have is, is, you know, we're, we're wired to survive, right? We want to, we want, we're compelled to live. Uh, that's why we eat food. That's why we establish the whole, you know, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. We, right. esta- we establish that, right? Because we're afraid of not, of what could happen if we don't have it, right? Yeah. And, yeah. and so I think it's, you know, instinctive in all of us. But once you, once you have those basic needs met, because if you're, <clears throat> you know, if, if you're homeless and you don't, you're not eating because you don't have any money to eat, I mean, that, we're dealing with a different set of, yeah. you know, of, of a, a different context, Right. That I think that you're, you're talking about, I think once you've established that and that you're at the point where, you know, your, your basic need, you know, your physiological needs are met, your safety rung in the, you know, I think it's the next rung of, of Maslow. Once you get to like relationships, I think at that point right now, you're still wired to survive, but the fear, right. Is, is more of, you know, it's like a social fear of sorts. And, you know, I had an interesting guest uh, a couple of months ago, who was a, a professor at, at uh, Boston College for a number of years. He was a neurologist, and he wrote a book called Free to Learn, and it talked about, you know, the ideal way that kids learn, which is totally, you know, incongruent to the, the, the typical education, well, the, the educational system of the United States. Right, and, right. you know, because it does, it teaches, uh, it teaches kids that failure is bad, Right, yeah. you're bad if you get a bad grade. You're bad if you get C's or D's. You're bad if you don't get accepted to this college or that college or don't have a college degree. And I think there's like there's a social element of fear based on how society perceives us or or how relationships perceive perceive us. And and I think that's very very destructive because you know his argument is that those are you know those 
they're these social anxieties, but in the end, it's the pivotal thing to get people to have massive growth, right? Is by failing, is by making a mistake, which can be recontextualized as just, it's a, it's a, it's a good step toward learning. And it's a vital, it's a, I would say it's a, it's a essential step toward, uh, toward learning. And, and I, I would say, yeah, the social fears that exist kind of keep us in this, this paradigm or keep us in this box that we're so comfortable in. We don't want to get outside of it because of, you know, what people will say, or what they'll think, or what they'll post about us on social media, you know? Yeah. It's interesting. But that, that failure one, that is, that, that's so key. I'm so glad you bring that up because that's, that's one of the fears, if not the biggest. But, and again, I don't want to, I don't want to make this sound like I've got it all together and everything in my life is running smoothly and perfectly. But failure is key. Failure is awesome. Failure is fantastic. You learn so much more through failure. And, and, and I mean to back that up by saying, I, I used to think failure, that's a big fear. Oh, I don't want to have failure. Oh, I don't want to fail. Now, and, I, and people think I'm nuts, but when I, when I fail at something, I'm like, oh, wow. All right, let's, let's look at that. Let's analyze that. And what can we learn from that? What can we do better? And they're like, <laughs> wow, you're so like, you know, bounce back kind of guy, man, what's up with, you know, what's up with that? <laughs> but, but that's how I see it. And, and, and then like, so I'm the, I'm the coach of the local 12 year old and under basketball team here. And, and some kid has a, he has a shot and he makes the shot. Great. So he does not think, he doesn't think over how he held the ball, where he put his hand, how he moved his elbow, how much pressure. No, he just did it. He made the shot. Great. We're done. But if he misses the shot, then he starts thinking about it. Oh, well, maybe I put my hand in the wrong place. Maybe I need to bend my elbow a little bit more this way. And so even subconsciously, he's going to learn a lot more from the missed shot than the, the made shot. And, and that's the way I, I, you know, life would be so much easier if we just saw things like that. Yeah. No, and, I think that's makes it a lot more fun. It, it does. And I think it's the, you know, it's that you had, you had mentioned it, which is interesting. It's the, the shift in signal, right? And that the signal yeah. that prevents growth, right, for most people is, is fear. Uh, but once you, you know, once you're able to recontextualize a signal, fear is how you grow. And it's the greatest oppor- opportunity. Yeah. And I think it's just look, looking at the world that way is, is, uh, is, is fascinating. And, and the thing is, in the end, you know, there the ideal utopia life doesn't, doesn't exist. I think the idea of it is there so that it shows us what's, what's possible, but nobody, nobody really ever achieves that. I don't think, I think that cycle, that cycle of living where you do reach a level at which things are amazing and everything is good. It doesn't stop. I mean, I I think until we die, it's like this never ending, you know, it's this never ending cycle. So we might as well just accept it now. Right. And, yeah. and take the shortcut. And I think the shortcut, you know, it's the whole Ryan holiday. The obstacle is the way it's like the, the yeah. shortcut is by going through, not around. And that's the, it's the, it's the most, it's the most fun. It does give people a lot of anxiety in the beginning, but that's all, I don't know. I think it's just social conditioning and programming. And, yeah. you know, it's, it's one of those, you know, I, I have a big team here and it's, it's hard. Some, it's hard sometimes, right. To, to get your team to, to make a mistake and make more and make more and make more because they're, you know, they've been programmed that if they make a mistake, they're going to, you know, lose their job. And that's not true. <laughs> but, it, but yeah, people think it's true because of all the different programming that's existed, you know, up, up to this point, primarily with, uh, with, with education. Um, and that might be a good, Bradley, that might be a good offshoot of the conversation. Your kids are with you in, in the Netherlands. I know your wife is Dutch. Yeah. So yeah. you know they're they're being raised probably not bilingual but they're probably speaking they languages. They what what is and you are writing books with them? Maybe talk about the interaction with your with your kids and what they're doing on an educational on an educational front. Well, you know it's funny we bring up failure here because my youngest I have two boys, twelve and fourteen, and my youngest he'd hate for me to say this he has a real fear fear of failure. And, you know, here's dad who writes a book called, you know, every single day and it's basically talking about just you know, <laughs> failure is great and awesome. And here's my own kid. <laughs> and, and he and he, he just can't get past it. And so 
here I am saying it's hard. I'm not saying this stuff is easy, but it's, it's hard, but it does help to have experience with it. So I have, I've now written five books together with the kids. And so they come up with ideas and then I write it down and I'll read it aloud to them and we'll sort of go through the story and edit and change things and then I'll write it out again. And so they've been in an active part in writing these stories together. And I knew I was onto something when we're, we're reading in the evening one night and I'm just reading aloud with what I had written, you know, that day or something. And one of my kids says, and, and then what happened? I said, well, I don't know what happened. You know, you guys are making up the story. I don't know what happened. <laughs> and he's like, oh, oh yeah, oh, yeah. You know, he, he didn't realize he created this story from scratch, from nothing. So he created something from nothing. And that is a wonderful thing for a kid. And then he, he thinks I'm kidding because he's like, okay, okay, but really what happened? <laughs> I really don't know. Like, it's really in your head. This book is the creation of your own imagination. Mm-hmm. So it's up to you to tell us what happens next. And then he, like, you just see him. He's like, whoa. <laughs> like, he's empowered. He's empowered to create something from nothing. He's like, whoa. And then my oldest boy, he's way too cool for all this, right? You know, writing a book is stupid and silly and a waste of time. And so he's walking with his buddies and I overhear him and he says, yeah, I have a book on Amazon. And he's walking along. And I'm like, oh, he actually, he's actually proud of it. He's actually, actually like so secretly proud of the project we're working on that he complains about all the time. <laughs> and that was just, it was so wonderful. And, and also, when you were talking about economics, I'm trying to teach my kids you know, about economics and even entrepreneurship. And so my oldest would be like, so, you know, how are book sales? And I said, I don't know. How's the marketing team there, Mr. 14-year-old? <laughs> like, uh, I don't know. Well, how would your friends buy this book? How would they access it? And what would they be looking for? What are the keywords that they would look for? What kind of books do they like? What, what genres do they read in? How do they get their books? Do they read ebooks or print books? What can we focus on? Should we, should we do advertising on you know, Instagram or Facebook? Or where do your friends hang out? You know, can you even do advertising on those platforms? Do you have, we have stuff to share. And he's like, okay, okay, Dad, sorry I asked. <laughs> but I'm getting him into it. You know, I'm getting him into, you know, oh, how are book sales? Well, they don't come from nothing. That's, that's marketing. That's where we got to get in there and get busy. And, and research and, talk to, and, and talk, to, talk to your friends and the potential audiences and see where they exist and what do they want and give them what they want. So it's been really just a, you know, even the, the whole meta story of writing the books for the kids is often more, people want to hear more about that than the actual books for the kids. I mean, the books for the kids, I mean, they're cute and adventures and stuff. But they're like, so how did that work, you know, like with your kids? My kids don't want to do anything creative, you know. How did you get them to do this? And I'm like, oh, anything, you know, <laughs> bribery, <laughs> jealousy. I, I'd bring in their friends. They would have lunch and, and my kids weren't into it. So I would go to their, their friends and I'd say, hey, so in chapter five, this is, this is, here's the scene. And then what do you think is going to happen next? And some friend would have some wild idea that would be fantastic and terribly creative. Wow, that's a great idea. And then my kids would be like, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. I know, I know. And then they'd get into it. So <laughs> I'd do whatever means necessary. <laughs> Threatening with jealousy of kids getting into the story. <laughs> Bribery. <laughs> whatever works. And it's been, it's been a fantastic process. Well, it's in, it's interesting because looking at you know I'm not for, sure if you're familiar with the the cone the cone of learning, but it it it's kind of a you know, inverted pyramid, and it gives you know an idea of re- the retention of information, especially new information, and you know uh, reading and listening is really really low, uh, and then right. teaching is is pretty high participating in actual physical experience of it all is the highest. And so you look at, you know, it's interesting looking at what you're taking your kids through uh, as, uh, as you know, this, this experience. Okay. Number one, you're tapping into their creativity, which I think, yeah. you know, the educational system unfortunately suppresses because it's, you know, the, the kids are taught information. They're not taught, they're not taught to discover. They're taught right. to receive and retain, right. And memorize by themselves, you know, but you're working with them to create something that doesn't exist. 
And I think that, you know, it parallels life in a sense, because, you know, I would say we're, we're conditioned to fit into a box, right. Of, of this preconceived, you know, uh, I'd say it's a bad thing. It's just the way that it is. But if there's discontent, most people don't know a way out. And if there's a way out, it's, it's, you know, based around, uh, you know, a, a, a path of fear to get you to get there. But I think with your, you know, with your kids, that's some of the best education, which is, yeah. you know, you're, you're actually providing for the experience, right. Of creating something and, you know, actually being able to market, uh, think about, you know, what would intrigue people to, you know, read this or why would they buy and getting into, you know, keywords and, uh, and how Amazon works and how to, you know, do paid advertising. Those are things that are not, are not aren't taught in school, right? Yeah. Even in, even like post high school, even college. So it's, it's interesting. I mean, I would say like the physical activities and the physical experience of it all is, is, is fascinating. Uh, and, uh, and oftentimes that's the stuff that, that is going to be uh, remembered, not the, you know, in what year, you know, who, who would know the year in which Columbus sailed the ocean blue if it didn't rhyme with, you know, 1492 or whatever. <laughs> You know, one thing that is really, and this one is one of my points I, I just, I'm, I'm so in love with, I recommend it to anybody who will listen. But so uh, the first book we wrote was four years ago, 2014. And at that time, we also recorded the audiobook. And it got, it got rejected by Audible for technical reasons that I couldn't figure out. And I, I just sort of gave up for a while. And, but back then, my two boys, then eight and ten, uh, I had they had two. There were two chapters in there that were really from their perspective, and I sort of let them do wh- write whatever they wanted. And and then I said, but you guys have to record that one yourselves. I'm like, oh, oh I'm that's gonna... awesome. And so they sat there, with microphone and everything, and we rec- we had so many retakes. It was unbelievable. But we we I got it, and so I I now have just just like two weeks ago. This book from four years ago, I finally figured out how, because now I'm getting more into this stuff, because I'm really into audio, and uh, I finally got the, the tracks, you know, all mixed and remastered and RMS DB levels, and I finally got it uh, accepted by Audible and Amazon, and it's now live, and the kids' voices from just four years ago when they were eight and ten, it is just precious. Oh, oh and my gosh. So awesome. this book has turned into what I see it as a time capsule. Mm-hmm. And that, it was sort of one of these benefits that I just was not expecting. Because there, there's a perfect example, again, of just living in the everyday, you know, not take, putting a sort of stake in the sand and, and stopping for a moment. And so stopping those moments four years ago with my you know, little boys and their cute little boy vo- voices, and they read these chapters, the chapters eight and nine in the book, and it's just... I mean, the cutest thing ever. My, my, my 14-year-old is no longer cute, you know? <laughs> he has, like, this deep voice and, like, grunts and, you know, plays pay, PlayStation, rah, you know, when's dinner? And then, and, and then it's, like, it's this sweet boy is talking about, like, the big spider in the tunnel, and then the dog came. I'm like, oh, <laughs> crying. <laughs> so sweet. But, but that's one, there we go again with why to live today. I mean, even to relive in the future, something that happened back then, something you created. I'm very, I'm very big into, I like creating things. It doesn't need to be art. It's whatever. Create whatever you en- enjoy creating, but make something from nothing. And you, it just it, it energizes you. Yeah. And that's where I would say, you know, another thing that we're wired to do, I mean, it's, it's, what's, it's what, you know, it's the jungle book, what separates Mowgli from the, you know, from the animals, where he's able to think he's able to come up with solutions and he's, you know, is creative to figure out a way around, you know, a shortcut to this or another way of looking at this. I mean, that's what we, that's what we do. I would say instinctively to it, to a degree. And, and oftentimes, you know, if we get kind of stuck in a, in a a rut, our our creativity is, is, uh, you know, is stifled and, you know, but, but, you know, having that as a focus and a goal and a, and a value, I mean, that, that is what, you know, I think kids, it's the most horrifying thing for me is seeing the creativity in children that is not, uh, that is not tapped, that's never tapped into. And I think we're starting to see 
uh, how the world is, you know, adapting to the millennial gener- generation. Because my kids, I have a four-year-old, but then I have a 13-year-old and an 11-year-old. So similar to your boys, oh, cool. you know, you have this generation that right now is, is, is in the workplace and is revolutionizing the workplace based on their creativity. So I think that you're starting to see elements of that. But in the end, you know, that's what humans are meant to do. We, we solve problems, we figure things out. And, you know, and, and trying to avoid that is just going to lead to an inevitable, you know, painful conclusion. Uh, and, and that's why I love, you know, I love books, especially yours that are around, you know, how to get out of this rut, how to get out of this social conditioning and, and take advantage of life. I mean, it's, Life is amazing, but also life is horrible. It depends on, you know, depends on you. Life is just the way that it is. But, but on the creation note and then the every single day note, I believe that you can get, I call it get into shape. You can get into shape into anything, whether it's, you know, you run a, a mile a day or you, you eat healthy every day or, you, or I write every day, whatever it is, but then you're in shape. And so we're talking about kids and, and creation. If if the if a kid were to create something from nothing every day, and I'm not talking some you know masterpiece painting, just just any a, a drawing, a, a a a sentence, anything created from nothing, then they get into the habit of it, and then they get practiced at it, and then they become good at it, and they don't even notice any of this stuff. By the way, it just sort of happens, it, and it, it happens sort of subconsciously they get better at it and they don't even realize they're getting better and they're they don't work at it anymore and then then the magic happens because then it doesn't take any effort anymore and now something that used to be sort of a pain is now just easy and then it goes beyond easy it just becomes natural and at some point the really fun happens when it's not only natural but it gives you energy it provides you energy and then you don't want to not do it anymore and so that's where my every single day premise uh, comes in because you get practiced at it and you, and you go through those phases to get to the point where you, you, can't, you can't not do it anymore. You know, speaking of kids, I, I, they say, they often say in the, in the author world, they say, write the book you'd like to read. And so after having written my every single day book, one of the books I'd like to read is called Every Single Day Kids. Hmm. And I, I've taken some stabs at research on it, but I have to say I'm struggling with it because hmm. I was looking for examples of kids who have taken some, it doesn't have to be my philosophy on every single day habits and stuff, but just something where even remotely related to what I'm talking about and have seen success. And I haven't looked far and wide, but as a bit as I look a bit, I'm struggling with, ooh, this might be a bigger challenge than I thought. <laughs> so there's a, I'll, I'll give but, you. But a couple, I want to, I want to try it. Well, hints. So okay. I'm also fascinating in 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 all of this. And if you and if you write a book based on it, that would be that would be incredible, uh, because kids are doing. I mean, I would say there's more evidence today that kids are doing some amazing things than ever yeah. than ever yeah. ever before. Um, so I, I would, you know, the book I mentioned a, a, a bit ago was uh, Free to Learn by Peter Gray. Okay. And he's the neurologist that, you know, his, his son was not having a great experience in the public school system. And so he researched uh, other means of education and found the, Sud, the Sudbury system. And Sudbury is the, their whole philosophy. It's fascinating, but their whole philosophy is that kids, kids shouldn't learn. They should play. And in play... That is when they, you know, discover, learn, create, you know, taps into that creativity side of things. Uh, but then, the, you know, the sub- Sudbury school system is fascinating because, you know, teachers are on a one-year contract and are voted either in or out at the end of every year. Uh, but also they democrat- uh, democratically make decisions uh, as, uh, as, as a whole. Young kids, old kids, and teachers choose what they're going to learn about. Uh, as opposed to having a preset curriculum. Anyway, so it, it's a really cool, really cool book. But then Dean, Dean Kamen, um, I think that's how you pronounce the last name, but Dean Kamen, he, uh, <clears throat> he invented like the Segway. Uh, he invented this really cool, you know, water purification system uh, in, in cahoots with, uh, not cahoots, I mean, in conjunction is probably a better way, uh, with Coke, with Coca-Cola. 
Uh, have, you, have you ever seen, I don't, really, I don't know if they have them in, in Europe, but those Coca-Cola machines as like one, you know, it's like one machine, but it has all the different buttons on there where you can mix and match flavors and whatever. Have you seen those before? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he invented that for Coke. Wow. Uh, but okay. he has, you know, essentially these prizes for kids. Has a, like a, it's like a competition and has kids like inventing things and, you know, making robots and programming. And anyway, it's pretty fascinating. And I think Peter Diamandis has the same thing, something very similar. Uh, he's kind of a futurist, but it's one of those like, you, you'll find it. Yeah, you, you're going to find lots of different examples of the, the extraordinary things that kids are, uh, kids are doing. And, and it's exciting. It, it, it motivates, I think it motivates you to, to, you know, allow your kids, your kids specifically to have, you know, mine, to have those types of opportunities and, and experiences as opposed to, you know, being run through the mill of, of uh, you know, traditional education. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a wonderful, exciting thing. And it's frustrating when it, when it doesn't go that way. Yeah. Well, Bradley, let's do, I'll give you kind of a final, a, a, a final word as we, uh, as we wrap this up. It's been a great, great conversation. I, I, appreciate, I appreciate you being on and taking the time. I know the time difference is, is probably not the most, uh, most convenient. But why don't you just kind of give maybe a final, uh, some final thoughts in regards to you know, your book and life and kids and you know, everything that we've, uh, we've talked about on the podcast. I think that the most exciting and unexpected outcome for me has been getting over the fear of the unknown and not only getting over it, but then, like I said, embracing it. And I know that if there are, are listeners listening and they are just not at this level yet, and that just sounds like the candy store, it just sounds like a bunch of hype because it seems so unattainable. But I, I want to put it out there because it's really when things get fun. And now I'm, I'm mostly into, like you were talking about play and creativity. I'm mostly into play. And, we're, and it's interesting because you're talking about this education system and that's it's almost what I'm doing because play, once you get past, I know we talked about survival, we talked about, you know, you're in a rut, we're talking about stuck. So I'm definitely talking about an, an advance beyond that. But once you get to a level where you've got all the other stuff taken care of, and you can get to a level of play, and, and this is where also people get skeptical because they think I mean, you know, lounging around, you know, having a margarita and doing nothing. Uh-huh. That's not it. It's, it's more like gear six on the sports car when you're, you're at five and you're cruising and then you put it into six and you're going even faster using less energy mm-hmm. and things are even better. So I want to put that out there as sort of a teaser to what can come from putting in a little bit of effort on a daily basis towards your goal. That's an awesome thought, and I couldn't say I couldn't have said it better. It's, I think that's what we all we're, we're all striving for, and it, and I would say you know the state at which we're in that sixth gear is, you know it's a it's a mental it's a mental state, and it's one of those you know I don't know why I brought Maslow into this whole thing, but it's that self actualization where you're you're doing what you love, and I think that you know Maslow being a psychologist you know number of years ago. Right. It's no different than today. I mean, I think today it's actually, it's, 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 it's interesting. It's kind of a conundrum. It's both harder to get there, but it's easier to get there. It's harder just because of the social pressures that exist. It's easier, right? Because of just how amazing technology advances allow us to do and understand and learn so much. Yeah. In my book, I talk a lot about simple and easy mm-hmm. and how something might be simple but it might not be easy. Yeah. And then the goal is really when it's simple and easy, yeah. but that's like advanced class. <laughs> well, Bradley, it was, uh, it was awesome to have you, to have you on. Uh, you're actually the last, uh, you're the, the, this, you're the last uh, uh, podcast for this season on this, on this specific topic. And I don't think there was a, 
there wasn't a better person to have have on and, and better topics to discuss because you know in the end I think all humans are trying to achieve this uh, whether they believe it or not and it's one of those things where today it's it's totally it's totally achievable so we'll put uh, all of the the uh, book links and so forth uh, on the on the show notes and uh, in the postings but do you want to give out uh, your your uh, website or your social uh, your Twitter handle any social media links that uh, people can follow you and, and get to know you yeah my my name is hard to spell my name Bradley Charbonneau C-H-A-R-B-O-N-N-E-A-U dot com if you can spell that that's great if not I <laughs> I post on a daily basis at a weirdly named site called Pass the Sour Cream. And yes, of course, there's a backstory to that. I used to work in branding, and if you had a backstory to your name, then you were good. <laughs> that was all you needed. So I had a backstory to Pass the Sour Cream, and that's where I post on a daily basis. Very like sort of Seth Godin-like, I'm just trying to have a, a short snippet of something helpful for, for people. And daily. Um, not overwhelming, but on a cool. daily basis. Cool. Yeah. All right. Well, Bradley, thank you so much again. It was an awesome, uh, awesome interview. Great conversation. Uh, I look forward to reading your, uh, reading your book and, uh, and best of luck to you and uh, with your kids' books and everything else that you're doing. And again, appreciate, uh, appreciate your time today. Yeah. Thank you so much. It has been wonderful and enlightening speaking with you. It's really, it seems like we could just jump off on any topic and talk for another half an hour about that so it has just been a pleasure talking with you no i i feel the exact same this is the this is the stuff that lights me up that i love to talk about and often i talk way too much about it <laughs> but i no, me too i totally i get it i get it I, I love that it lights you up that's that's wonderful to hear because that's I mean, that's what it's all about right totally what lights you up yep. that's really it that's it we could even conclude on that because they're they're, they're simple and easy what lights you up? Yep. Well, amen to that. <laughs> All right, Bradley. Until next time. Yeah. Until next time. Thanks so much. Hey, everyone. Hope you guys enjoyed the episode this week. Uh, Charbonneau is a good. Uh, he's a good guy, and I, I definitely think you're going to enjoy his uh, his book. And also, thank you for listening to the final episode of 2000, uh, the first season of 2018. Uh, we were we got some really good feedback, and, and I can't wait to start. Uh, what I consider my favorite uh, topic or my favorite theme of this year, which is uh, liberty and uh, the meaning of it and the pursuit of it. I believe at my core that this is really what everybody is after. And I can't wait for you to hear the interview because it's uh, it's awesome. It, it definitely helps in segueing from uh, season one into season two. And uh, my guest, his name is Phil Town, and he's a very famous uh, in, uh, investment personal development individual, written a ton of books. He has a really cool podcast with his daughter right now. He's also written uh, a recent book with his daughter, and uh, and you're going to find it very, uh, very enlightening. I've never met Phil before, but him and I really hit it off and are very in sync in regards to our uh, philosophical approach to money as well as uh, you know just life and life in general. So I uh, can't wait for you to, to hear that next week. So uh, so stay tuned. Also, if you want to give, uh, leave us a review on iTunes, hey, we will uh, not... Uh, not be unhappy. We'll be very happy. So go ahead and go on iTunes and leave us a review when you have a chance. All right, everyone, that's it for this week. Talk to you next time. Thank you for joining us as the Wealth Standard Podcast spends all of 2018 celebrating life, liberty, and property. Be sure to leave us a review on iTunes, and we'll see you on the next one.